0: Hello, everyone. You are now listening to CFRC's Weekly Traffic Report for November 7th to 13th from the City of Kingston. And we are reporting again this week that as part of the Love Kingston Marketplace project, some vehicle travel lanes and parking spaces downtown have been repurposed to create additional physical distancing space for pedestrians and for businesses, including Claret Street, on-street parking repurposed there for accommodating a lane shift, and Market Street, the road is closed. Closed two vehicles and no on street parking is available. There will be closures this week at Colburn Street from Chatham to Division, Earl Street from Ontario to King, John Counter, Boulevard from Sir John A to Princess, and Portsmouth Avenue to, from Old Quarry Road to John Counter. Quiet Street Road closures are still in effect at Max Street from Alamean to Albert, Frontenac from Brock to Earl, Earl from Frontenac to Clergy, Clergy from Earl to Ordnance. There's also a closure on Victoria Street from Princess to Durham which will be closed between 6 30 a.m. and 6 30 p.m. from November 9th to the 13th. Washburn Road at Highway 15 to Sonveld will be closed from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. on November 10th with a rain date of November 12th for tree removal. There will also be delays at Glengarry from Portsmouth to Indian, Gore Road from McLean to Grenadier, Grenadier at Winfield Crescent, Highway 33 just east of Collins Creek Bridge to just west of Coronation Boulevard, Jackson Mills Road near the KP Trail. Delays as well at John Counter Boulevard from Princess to Indian, Kings Court area including Ruskin, Victoria, Kings Court, Carlton, Hillcrest and Fergus Streets, portsmouth avenue glengarry to princess and glengarry uh, from portsmouth to indian will also have short delays until november 20th as a contractor working on behalf of utilities kingston installs a new sanitary sewer and upgrades water mains people can also expect delays on princess street from collins bay road to baxter where the roads have been reduced to one lane from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily until November 17th to accommodate the widening of Princess Street and construction of turn lanes onto Creekside Valley Drive. There are also traffic disruptions and minor delays and detours in the Collins Bay and Bay Ridge area as a contractor there completes neighbourhood restoration again on behalf of Utilities Kingston. Another notice as well, the Byron parking lot on Queen Street, just west of Montreal Street, will be closed on November 9th and 10th as crews perform asphalt maintenance work and permit holders will be redirected to nearby Drury and Frontenac Lots and Parking Area C. And another final reminder, the Ministry of Transportation is making improvements now to the Kingston and Marysville Wolf Island Ferry Docks. You can visit the project website, wolfislanddocs.ca, for more information on progress of that project. And for up-to-date information on what's happening with traffic around Kingston from the City of Kingston, you can follow at City of Kingston on Twitter, and also visit the website, www.cityofkingston.ca, and you can also visit news at cfrc.ca as well. Have a great day and drive safe. Welcome to The Scoop. We're highlighting some news in the past week right here at Queen's and in Kingston. And this week, a group of researchers from more than 20 countries, including David McDonald, a professor of global studies at Queen's University, have released a new e-book on the significance of safe, accessible and affordable water for all during COVID-19. Public Water and COVID-19 Dark Clouds and Silver Linings explores why public water matters during a pandemic and presents the latest research on the impact of COVID-19 on public water operators. Written by academics, activists, practitioners, unionists, NGOs, and community members, the new ebook provides a global overview of the challenges cast by COVID 19 on the public water sector, showcasing how public water operators are grappling with the financial hardship and ongoing pressures of privatization. COVID-19 has also shown how public water operators can deal effectively and fairly with the pandemic in the short term with progressive practices that open up possibilities for improved democratization and equity-oriented services in the future. The e-book is also part of McDonald's Municipal Services Project based at Queen's University and launched November 9th. MacDonald stated that he has been conducting research on the negative impacts of water privatization for over two decades. More recently, his focus has shifted to questions of what constitutes a good public water operator. McDonald also noted that he and his colleagues worldwide have looked critically at different public water models and asked what makes them democratic, accountable, and equitable. In McDonald's view, there is no one-size-fits-all model, but there are common characteristics that contribute to effective public water services. Nowhere is this topic more urgent than with COVID-19, with access to water for hand-washing being a critical part of combating the disease. And with this in mind, McDonald explains that the aim of this rapid response book is thus to investigate how public water operators have responded to the crisis in different contexts and what lessons have been learned. McDonald noted that the authors do not shy away from the mistakes public water operators have made and that their main goal is to contribute to knowledge sharing on good practices in an effort to contribute to improved public water services for all. Stay tuned next week. CFRC 101.9 FM will broadcast our interview with Dr. David McDonald on Campus Beat 530 on November 18th. You can also visit podcast.cfrc.ca and listen to the podcast version of this interview as well. And in local news highlights this week, Artillery Park Aquatic Centre located at 382 Bagot Street will reopen for recreational use in mid-November under the province's reopening framework and guidance from KFLNA Public Health. There are a number of operational maintenance items that uh, they are completing to prepare the facility for reopening, and they're targeting the week of November 16th and looking forward to welcoming new and returning patrons to the multipurpose facility. According to Lacretia Turner, Director of Recreational and Leisure Services at Artillery Park Aquatic Center, The facility had been serving as the temporary home for the Integrated Care Hub, which has now moved to 661 Montreal Street over the weekend. Uh, When it reopens, Artillery Park Aquatic Centre will offer drop-in use of its fitness and aquatic facilities on a limited basis and with COVID-19 precautions in place. Drop-in and registered programs will be announced in the coming weeks, and those with memberships that had been placed on hold during the closure will be contacted directly. Watch for operational details and more specific program and facility COVID-19 precautions to be announced once the reopening dates are finalized. And in CFRC news, RQU, that is Radio Queen's University Board President Daniel Beals, has written an appeal to alumni and membership and community members alongside CFRC's release of the annual Radio File 2020 newsletter. Both the appeal letter and the newsletter are now available on the CFRC website, www.cfrc.ca, where you can also donate to CFRC's annual funding drive. And in other CFRC news, the Shortwave Theater Festival, a CFRC and Siller Door Project collaboration wrapped up on November 7th with great success and with the support of the City of Kingston Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Dance School of Drama and Music, as well as the Department of Film and Media at Queen's University. You can visit podcast.cfrc.ca and check out the podcasts of all of the radio theatre performances in addition to the artist talkbacks. They are all now podcasted and freely available. And in other local news, City Council approved unanimously on November 3rd to award $39,000 to local Christian charity Lionhearts Inc. The funds will help them move their community meal program into Stages Nightclub for the next six months. From the start of the pandemic, Lionhearts Inc. has been providing free meal packages every day to those in need, said a report from City staffer Laney Hurdle that was presented to Council on Tuesday, November 3rd. To date... They have provided over 138,000 meals, and while operating the program outside in a park setting had worked well in the summer, Laney noted, they need to find a safe, accessible indoor option as we move into winter months. Hurdle also noted that the Lionhearts had performed an extensive search for a location in the city before reaching an agreement with Stage's nightclub. City staff are recommending the financial contribution to offset Lionhearts' operating costs for a six-month period. The supportive funding will come come from the city's social services relief fund, and the fund currently has a balance of $348,102 due to be fully allocated by Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. In addition to the Linehearts Meal program stages, will also take in Kingston Street Mission's nightly drop-in program. For over seven years, this program has operated in St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church Hall, which reportedly is not available this winter. The drop-in program provides a warm place out of the cold, refreshments, a social venue, free access to clothing and toiletries, and more. And it runs nightly between October and April each year from 8 to eleven thirty p.m. with volunteers on site each night. Hurdle notes that the partnership with Stages will ensure continued delivery of these important services through the winter months. Bhavana Varma, the president and CEO of the United Way of Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox and Addington, uh, was with a delegation at the beginning of council's meeting and she noted that demand on local food programs has increased dramatically since the start of the pandemic. In the region, Bavana Varma noted, we've gone from five to 600 meals a week to 1,400 to 1,800 meals a day, seven days a week, she said. Local supportive agencies such as Loving Spoonful, St. Vincent de Paul, and Martha's Table had to adapt overnight starting in mid-March, she said, introducing safety measures while simultaneously responding to increased need. Varma said food insecurity and the demand for food programs are pervasive right across Canada. She also noted that they are affecting every part of the Kingston community, including post-secondary students at St. Lawrence College and Queen's University. Varma strongly supported city staff's recommendation to help Lionhearts, Inc. relocate their meal program to Stages Nightclub. And in other news, City Council also voted unanimously on Tuesday, November 3rd, in favour of a motion by Rob Hutchinson put forth on behalf of the Screening Room Theatre in downtown Kingston. The theatre's operations had been hit hard by COVID-19 pandemic, and many constituents had reportedly reached out to their councillors in concern. But it's not just individuals that could lose it if the theatre shutters, Hutchinson notes. When we had a Cineplex close downtown a few years back, businesses were very concerned, Hutchinson noted, at the council meeting on November 3rd. Theatres attract people, and those people may go out to dinner, and they may go shopping before or after. There are multiplier effects going on there that are beneficial to downtown businesses, Hutchinson had noted. Hutchinson's bill calls on the federal government to ensure movie theaters have access to Canada Emergency Rental Subsidy Program funding. Uh, and to rework the financial assistance available to theatres through Heritage Canada. It also asked the provincial government to extend their commercial eviction ban for six more months. The motion will be sent to various provincial and federal functionaries. Hutchinson also noted that movie theatres directly employ over 15,000 Canadians and called them integral to the social, cultural, and economic life of communities. Wendy Hewitt, the screening room's owner, made a delegation to Tuesday, November 3rd, a city council meeting as well. She pointed out that when a movie theater goes out of business, it's uncommon for new owners to take over. Having leveraged as many financial assistance programs as she could, Hewitt also noted that the theater is still losing thousands of dollars each month, and she plans to launch a Friends of the Screening Room fundraising campaign later this month so that people can sponsor a movie seat even if they're not comfortable attending. She's also planning a free movies for three years gold card campaign. She expects the initiatives to do well and potentially offset her 2020 losses. The uncertainty for 2021, however, remains... In her words to Council, Hewitt said this is totally new for movie theaters, as she described how the impact is being felt at all levels of the industry. Rumors are circulating that highly anticipated 2021 films will be sold to Netflix for release rather than sent to theaters, she noted. There's no precedent for the bottom just dropping out on the movie business. Greg Tilson, a local film producer and artistic director of the Skeleton Park Arts Festival, also addressed Council on behalf of the screening room on Tuesday, November 3rd. He spoke to its its value as a mainstay venue for film festivals and other cultural events. What the Screening Room offers Kingston, in his words, is something that could never be achieved through the online experience like Netflix, he noted, that a large number of Kingston-based festivals depend on Screening Room as a popular festival venue as well. Councillor Jim Neal, who seconded Rob Hutchinson's motion, added that the Screening Room's survival is important not just to the core of the city, but to all of the city. While Council has not discussed providing any direct funding to the theater, Neal said that he believes that by tabling the issue and expressing concern, Council has helped raise critical public awareness and support, and that he plans to go to see two movies himself this week. This story has been furnished by Samantha Butler-Hassan of The Kingstonist for the Local Journalism Initiative. And thanks to the Screening Room, they were among our sponsors for week one of CFRC's annual funding drive, which commenced on November 1st. Visit ScreeningRoomKingston.com for updates on what's playing now and what's coming up in the theaters. And uh, stay tuned to Alexandra Fernandez we will be sitting down with owner and operator Wendy Hewitt to chat all things screening room very soon. And thanks for tuning in to The Scoop with news highlights from Queens and Kingston over the last week. We'll be back.